we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to the return episode of Dungeon Crawlers. That's right, we're back after we, we took a break. We'll, we'll just say that. We took a break. Uh, Scott is not with us this not, tonight, but we have Alton. Um, hello, hello. Most of you that don't know him, he's been on the show before. Uh, talked about Paragon Games, talked about Dimensions, the awesome role-playing uh, game that uh, he was a uh, creator of, as well as so many other things. And then we have Krebs with us as well tonight. For those of you that don't know him, it may be because you haven't heard him for a while, because he was on the show way, way back when, when we were still at Epic Games, and we talked about Palladium, and then he showed up again when uh, you know Jared and them were with us. So um, it's been a while, but we're here to talk about Star Wars, the thing that we all love. Mm. Some so, more than others, but everyone yeah, so much. Yeah. We we all have our levels, you know. There's there's really low. There's like solo that they like Star Trek. There's medium. I don't know. There are like, a lot of people who like solo. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Well that was played. Really, that was good. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we're gonna talk about Rise of Skywalker, uh, the latest in the the franchise and the end of the Skywalker saga. Uh, some have enjoyed it, some have loved it, some have hated it, some thought it was the best we could get based on what the last movie, and some just refused to go see it. Some actually thought it was the worst in the nine movie series, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there are some people out there. Um, so again, I'm just going to put this out there, spoiler alert. If you are listening to the show and have not seen the movie and want to see the movie, turn it off. Go away. Go see the movie, then come back. Then listen to it. Because otherwise, we're going to spoil your breakfast. We will have no filters. It's true. And the other part that's really important to remember is if you have an opinion, it is valid. Just because we may state things eloquently or present information that you may not have thought of anymore... Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that your opinion is any less worth it. Uh, this is our opinion and the way that we view things. So Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely one thing I, I always stress and we have always stressed on the show. This is our opinion. Don't take our word for it. Well, sort of take our word for it, but don't base everything off of it. You know, go to the movie, enjoy it. And, you know, if you don't like it, that's okay. We're not going to hate you. Like it, that's okay. We're not going to hate you. We're still going to like you. We're still going to like right. you if you hate it. Um, <laughs> everyone has their own opinion, and that's the awesome thing about uh, pop culture. You know, some people like Star Wars. Some people like Star Trek. I'm not one of those. Uh, some people like Terminator. Some people like, you know, Spaceballs. I definitely like that one. Uh, you know, you got your <laughs> Galaxy Quest fans. You got your Harry Potter fans. I'm not one of those. Um, yeah, you, you got all sorts of fandoms. We'll explore that in another episode. I noticed you mentioned Galaxy Quest is not on your list. We're not going to get into it now, but I am curious. I, no, I didn't and say Galaxy Quest. I love Galaxy Quest. I love Galaxy uh, Quest. But let fantastic. us not derail. Yeah. Let us not derail. So, no. so um, I've actually been really curious. Uh, I know how I feel about the film, but of course I hold your opinions in high regard. Uh, Daniel... Where do you sit on this? This movie has been, I can't deny that this movie is super divisive in terms of the, of the audience reaction, the fandom reaction. Where do you fall in this uh, metaphoric civil war? The metaphoric civil war. Um, I'm definitely on the side of four, the movie. Um, I enjoyed it. I really did. I liked it. You know, it, it did a good job. JJ Abrams did a good job with what he had. Um, Coming in from Last Jedi, he was able to wrap the story up using the pieces he had, the story arc he had, and was able to deliver the best story he could. Now, with that said, I also know there was some meddling on behalf of Disney, which we probably didn't get the full J.J. Abrams uh, movie. So I do know that they've kind of announced that the the DVD, Blu-ray that's coming out, uh, we'll have the J.J. Abrams director's cut, which I'm interested to see how that turns out. Very interesting. I know, I know we've seen uh, Colin Trevor's script, uh, Duel of the Fates. Um, well, not full script, but kind of the built-up 
outline of the script looked interesting. I don't know if I could buy into that, that film, but that's okay. We got a different film. I enjoyed it. It had some ups. It had some downs. It had some good points. It had some what moments, but it had a lot. It, overall, it had a lot of good moments, uh, I would say. Um, I'm going to leave it at that and we can go into it further because otherwise I'll just keep rambling. Elton, where do you fall in all of this? So I have a slightly more nuanced, not necessarily negative, but um, I definitely lean more towards neutral uh, on the film itself. Um, Basically, you, in my mind, you have to take a couple of things into account. The first is, what is the question you're actually asking? Are you saying among all of the Star Wars films? Are you saying as an independent film in a vacuum? Are you saying as part of the new trilogy? And I think each of those deserves a slightly different answer. Um, Star Wars in particular is one that a lot of people feel extremely passionately about, especially um, theorists around the theory of story crafting, of, of storytelling, filmmaking, editing, writing, the whole nine yards. And so everybody has their own kind of information and, and nuance on it. But uh, for a lot of people, their first real exposure to the hero's journey uh, is the original Star Wars. And so yeah. a lot of people base a lot of their theories around what a Star Wars film should be around a lot of those theory elements Um, and so it's interesting to watch as those evolve over time and just the way that not only Star Wars itself, but the film industry, how stories are told and what is more important to an audience of today than 40 years ago, all of those things have evolved too. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that the way that it was handled was perfect or that I agree with a lot of things. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we do have to be able to keep those types of understandings in mind that for each person, what episode nine means is going to be slightly different. And for the first generation of kids who have only ever grown up seeing seven, eight, nine, there is a lot of good things that came out of a very disorganized seven and eight. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Krebs, your turn. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to, uh, come at this from the perspective my perspective comes from being a star wars child of the 80s um the first movie i ever remember seeing uh in theaters was return of the jedi and in 1983 and uh that really sort of formed my taste my my love for for certain flavors of mythos and so on um and then i also come from for those who don't know i also used to be a film student and i'm uh, an independent film actor and uh, on top of the other things that i do for a living um that said, I went into Star Wars 9 having only seen the first teaser and the first full-length trailer, and then I purposely put myself on a sort of a moratorium of any other trailers so I could go in with as little knowledge as possible. And I got to tell you, I super loved this movie. I will tell you right now that I don't think it's perfect. I will yeah. tell you right now that there are areas where we could... Uh, the, the fandom could step in, rewrite two or three scenes or two or three kinds of relate, or maybe, maybe just two relationships. And it would actually exponentially improve the film in those regards. But as, as a standing product right now, I actually very much loved the film. I saw it more than once and it was worth it every time. And in terms of the new trilogy uh, as, as a whole, like you were speaking about the Salton as as a three-film epic, if you will, um, I am not displeased with the end product. I know it's not what we necessarily expected. I know it probably could have been better in terms of organization if we're going to talk about that. But as a story, start to finish, I I felt it was a rather consummate story. And I was satisfied as a Star Wars fan. And it most certainly, it most certainly surpassed any experience I had with the prequel trilogy. The original trilogy will always be my favorite original trilogy will always be my favorite but this new trilogy spoke to that star wars kid inside of me and at 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 40 41 years old i felt like a kid again and that's not hyperbole it was just it was a wonderful childlike experience with a story that i love yeah no i mean i think if anything i mean it, it is all three films were good in respect if you look at them as, as films um they were good. 
I would say the most fundamental flaw of all the films is the fact that there is no cohesive story arc. There wasn't going into this. Um, it was kind of this, oh, hey, we're going to put the story arc in at the end type thing. You know, even, you know, if you don't like the prequels or the original trilogy, you know, there are some quirks, but each trilogy had a overall story of what was happening. You know, the, the prequels, we had the rise of Anakin falling and then falling to the dark side and becoming Vader. That was the overall story arc with the Clone Wars and everything built in with that. The original trilogy, we had uh, Luke growing, becoming a Jedi, and then saving his father. From the it, was the hero, it was the hero's journey yeah, with, a, with a subplot of redemption. Yeah. You know, and then but you go into 7, 8, and 9, and there wasn't that. It was the weirdest thing. That is the only thing that bugs me the most out of all these films. You know, yes, it kind of sucked what happened with Luke, but even then, I, I'm still okay with the story we had because there's no way we could have the awesome Luke we had in the extended universe because, let's face it, Mark Hamill was way too old um, when they, they filmed these to be able to get those epic scenes that we saw in those books. But with that said, Again, the biggest failure was the fact there was no story arc from the beginning when they started out. We had separate directors and separate writers, and it didn't seem like anyone was cohesively working together. And you know what? At, at the risk of sounding like an apologist, which is a term I hate, by the way, at the risk of sounding like an apologist, one of the things that just occurred to me as you were mentioning the EU is that you know the extended universe was, was being written for decades. And yeah. then when Disney assumed responsibility for the star wars franchise um it seemed you know in, in retrospect i can see how they may have had those conversations of okay we have to please the fan base we have to tell a great story and we can't do it in a way that's predictable therefore we can't lean on the eu and yeah. so you have decades of content that basically qualifies as we can't use this and yeah. and to that end i you know, with the story that they gave us, kudos to them for finding some, at least some threads that were unique compared to the EU that still dovetailed into the original mythos. And that's not going to be an easy task in this case. So, yeah, again, I'm not saying it's perfect. The Last Jedi, I'm sure we could pick apart more than any of the other films in the trilogy. Yeah. Um, but if we look at... How do they develop the character of Ray? What were the what were the grand anagnorises? What what were the you know as a, as an audience? Where did we find catharsis and things like that? They still found ways to to meet the audience's emotional needs without falling into the trap of oh I saw that coming I expected that I've read this before. Yeah. Yeah, and you know to that effect, it's really interesting when we consider the EU as a collective whole because it really 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 wasn't you know when we Truth. talk about when we talk about that expanded universe a lot of times the first name that comes to mind is, is timothy zahn yeah. who had a very strong writing style he had a very good grasp of what was going on not only in terms of the micro to his story but the macro of what else is happening in the galaxy what else is happening in the cosmos and how do we make sure that all of those events play into each other in a way that makes sense um, the world building aspects there were were really good where he took all of those different threads that lucas had done and he added to them in a way that was very logical Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that every single book, every single comic, every single offshoot in the expanded universe has that golden seal that we often associate with the stories that stand out in our mind. I agree and with so you. where Disney had to take that collective whole and say, OK, these things directly contradict or they don't make sense in the context of the story or this thing started with this person and then Zahn took it and actually turned it into something good. Like there comes a point where to the one person who had that one book that they absolutely love the one scene that was really important to them. There is no possible way that Disney could have created something that was cohesive, that made sense and that still hit all of those notes for every single person. Yeah. And so it is important to remember that there is some context there. Um, we have a lot of expectations and decades of, of good feelings of a hit and a miss here, but overall these big pillars, these cornerstones that still worked generally, 
Um, but because they were read in our voice in the theater of our own mind, they played out in a way that very possibly nobody else saw but us. That is absolutely fair. Yeah. If I could dovetail on that too, I, I've been I've been thinking for several weeks now, actually a couple months now, where um, I, I've been wondering like where does the vitriol come from? I actually came across an article. I don't know if you saw this, but there was an article that was titled "Why the Rise of Skywalker." was destined or doomed to be the worst star wars ever and i thought wow do you hear that hyperbole like <laughs> like they're shoving they're, they're saying they are saying that the rise of skywalker is worse than midi-chlorians and little baby anakin right like they're saying that that's worse than episode one and I, and I obviously, if you can't hear it, I obviously have some opinions <laughs> about that. But but what's interesting to me is uh, to Alton's point about like there's no way that Disney could have there's no way that Disney could have magically met the demands of all fans. And I think this is a great case in point when when uh, the Force Awakens came out, the number one criticism that I saw amongst many online pundits was uh, the the force awakens is a new hope just with other people, right? Like it follows, they said it's too much like the original film It's too much like the original star Wars in 1977. And then one of the initial massive criticisms I saw of the rise of Skywalker is it's nothing like the original trilogy. It's nothing like we hoped for and all stuff. And I'm like, hold on a second. Did you just say that the first movie in the trilogy was bad because it was just like the trilogy and the third movie was bad because it wasn't like the trilogy? I mean, yeah. how are we supposed to win here? And so that, that definitely came to mind. I have this whole theory that the power of social media propagating negativity has actually planted seeds of, of toxicity in in the general audience and people go in expecting to hate instead of allowing themselves to love and i think that that's where quite a, not all not all but quite a bit of negative review of this trilogy as a whole really stems from it's this toxicity that we can find online so very easily yeah i mean uh, look back to when you were a kid uh when we were kids actually you know how did you find out about movies it was through going to other movies, seeing trailers, or seeing a commercial. You know, we really, that was it. You know, I don't ever remember watching, you know, uh, any movie reviewers at what, Siskel and Egbert, or I guess that's who the big ones were back then. You know, I never watched any of that stuff. You know, we went to go see a movie because, ooh, we saw this really cool trailer, wanted to go see it. Now it's everywhere. It's on YouTube, it, it shows up on Facebook. Like, I scroll through my Facebook feed and like, you know, it's like Rise of Skywalker thing after after thing. So it's, we get bombarded by it. And then not only that, anyone and everyone can make a comment about it. Oh, that movie sucked. That was horrible and blah, blah, blah. I mean, what kind of a fan base are we when we, we are so horrible in what we say about an actor's portrayal of a certain character that they have to get off of social media. I mean, that happened with Kelly Tran, um, with her. It, character it happened with Rose. Adam Driver. Do you remember yeah. the reaction to the reveal of Kylo Ren? Oh yeah. And he got lambasted for being a moon-faced, pretty emo boy. Yeah. But then, by the operation of the second or third film, uh, Adam Driver is nominated for for Oscars now, right? I mean, like yeah. he's in Oscar award-winning performances, and it ends up he's an incredible actor. But yeah. initially, initially, the reaction was, "Oh, this is pathetic." Yeah. And now, faithful consumers of social media listening to our commentary on this film, <laughs> allow me to spread some toxic toxic seeds of dissension. Yes, yes, do it. We have gone far too long defending this film, and now it's my opportunity. No, no, that's not where I'm coming from. Okay, so quietly into the night. There are there are many, many wonderful things about this film. And again, if it hasn't been stressed already, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Form your own yeah, opinion. Please. However, there are also problems. Some of them are things that are within just the film itself. Some of them are results about from the last minute editing and meddling from powers on high and others were seeds from seven and eight where there was disagreement and disorganization and things that created problems that were, if not necessarily unsolvable, at least not elegantly solvable. 
it is still very much to JJ's credit that he was able to pull it together the way that he did, all things considered. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I agree. Meddling included. Uh, but there are also some issues. And so, like, I, I do want to open that up, too, is, like, what are some of the things that you believe are systemic issues specifically within Nine? Uh, issues? I mean, first specifically off... Specifically in Nine, yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, like, there is no... Okay, when you read a story, um, generally by the end of the story, you're like, oh, wow, I now see all the breadcrumbs that were put there. By the time I got through nine, I'm like, okay, I can see the breadcrumbs, but you're really stretching for those breadcrumbs. It wasn't like, whoa, man, that just blew my mind because now I see this breadcrumb and that breadcrumb and that, that, that whole trail that led up to this point. Again, that's because there wasn't that overall story arc. Um, you know, Exegol, where did that come from? No one has ever heard of Exegol, but suddenly it's this big, huge Sith stronghold and there's so many you know, Sith followers that they can build this massive fleet and crew this massive fleet. Uh, and, you know, how did the Emperor survive? We didn't, we, didn't, we don't know. It's magic. What? Uh, you know, let alone he created Snoke. Yeah, we see some clone bodies of Snoke floating around in a tube. No explanation. Those things, you know, as, as a storyteller, kind of bug you. As a movie goer i'm able to set those aside because i enjoyed it they still made a logical way to make this work that one's a big thing then how the crap is i, I don't care if ray is a palpatine how the crap is she like this uber jedi person that's even that seems even stronger than anakin skywalker ever was you know and she has no training anakin had tons of training i i, I, I don't get it that's the thing that is yeah, she's like the MacGuffin uh, sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who in the Star Wars universe, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things, I mean, you know, and, and, and this is part of what informs my opinion on why I say that Nine is an okay movie. It's still good. I still have a fun time. Yeah. I can still go in and enjoy it. But part of the reason that I'm able to enjoy it is because I've done the research. Okay, mm -hmm. like there are things, even in the questions that you just asked, that have been explained in the expanded universe. But... If I have to read a book in order to go to a movie to understand what's going on, the filmmaker has fundamentally failed, You're right? right? The story, even though we should always be able to have the option to add on and go deeper and understand things, or there's nuances or Easter eggs, or, you know, if you knew more of the backstory, then this would be even cooler. That's okay. But if you can't understand key elements of the story because you don't have the information inside the film itself... Yeah. you're you're failing that's that is a fundamental failing that does not mean that the entire movie as a whole is crap and falling apart but it does mean that things like the force dyad which we now know in the expanded universe as she was connected to kylo ren across all those years some of what he was learning and capable of doing was transferring to her and yeah. that when they bonded in seven and eight some of those powers got even more turned up and amped to 11 so that she could have them like the casual moviegoer or the first time Star Wars watcher walks in and goes, what? The yeah. fact that the fact that the opening two words of the title scrawl are Palpatine lives. Explain yeah. that to somebody who hasn't seen anything but seven, eight and nine. What yeah. does that mean? That means literally nothing. And there is yeah. no weight to that for the rest of the film. And so you or, just you start to have these things. Or let alone, how does the dyad heal the emperor? I mean, he's like this weird, funky, deformed corpse, and now suddenly he's healed. What? Uh, yeah, I'm. There are some weird things, and I I do believe that was kind of part of Disney's meddling. But I mean, that's the same problem I had with the TV series Agents of Shield. Like the first couple of seasons, you had to see all the other movies to understand like key elements. Like, you know, suddenly Hydra is in charge of Shield. Well, if you hadn't seen, you know. Uh, the second Captain America movie, you wouldn't know why. You know, they, they make re reference to what happened in Thor 2. Again, without seeing Thor 2, you wouldn't know. It's just, those things kind of bug me. If we would have had someone behind the scenes controlling the overall arc, like we did in the previous prequel, prequels, the prequel and the original trilogy, sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied, I think 
we would have had those things. Having Ryan Johnson come in and do eight, you know, he is a good filmmaker. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he was the right fit for Star Wars. You know, Knives Out, fantastic movie. Um, some Amazing. of his other, some of his other stuff, fantastic. Star Wars, I literally felt like, and again, I could be completely wrong, but I felt like him and Kathleen Kennedy said, we're, "We don't care what you as fans think. We're going to do whatever we want." You know, and you see that from the very beginning of that movie where Luke is handed this saber and he just tosses it over his shoulder, like, "Who cares?" Mm. And it just ah. It was, that it was a simple gag that that kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it it sort of betrayed in, in, in the more literal sense, it betrayed the gravitas of what the original trilogy and the original story had established. Yeah, I mean, it was a, the giant, a giant middle finger to all, every fan out there because we built this up We're 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 looking for Luke. Luke is this legendary Jedi that's missing and everyone. I mean, Luke we made you wait two years for this moment. Yeah, I mean, Luke Skywalker, to me, has, has always been this amazing hero that was able yes. to not only succeed when adversity, I mean, he screwed up. We saw him screw up in, in Empire, we, and, he, and he overcame that. He became a Jedi. He saved his friend from the hut, Lord. Um, jumping from skiff to skiff uh, over the Sarlacc pit and all this craziness. And then still is able to redeem his father and turn from the dark side and still remain a Jedi. Amazing, amazing thing. And then we go through this whole story. We meet these new characters. And at the very end, you see, we lose a friend in that, that journey. But at the very end, you see Luke Skywalker and he has this look and it pans and then it's over. And you're like, no. And then you get to this movie that you've waited another two years for. And he throws the saber away. And it's just like moment after moment of moment of like, what happened to my best friend? He's now become <laughs> this grouch that I can't even recognize. And I just don't understand anymore. And why? Yeah. And the thing is, is like there were very easy ways to fixate. Like there are things that, that you can do in fewer than five minutes of film yeah. without yeah. fundamentally changing any of the major plot points, without needing to do huge reshoots. It's something that I've even considered doing a little bit of my own monkey editing and, you know, just throwing it out there for people to see and maybe they can get Hamill back in time to reshoot before he passes. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, yeah. Well, and, and the funny thing is they did do lots of reshoots. So what was it before all those reshoots? I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. And, you know, there's a lot of things we can't change. You know, Carrie Fisher passed shortly after that. So I know that dramatically changed what nine was going to be. Um, but with that said, I think, you know, I think we've all kind of hit it on the head. Abrams took that, that kind of mess that, that was there in, in eight, which still was a good movie. Don't get me wrong. It was an enjoyable movie. It wasn't quite what I wanted, but it still felt like Star Wars. There was a few weird components. Holdo maneuver can't exist. Um, hyperspace <laughs> is, a, is a, a, you jump into a pocket dimension. You don't hit anything. Obviously, we saw that in the beginning of nine. You know, he's light speed <laughs> skipping. Otherwise, he would have been crashing into things like crazy. I'm sorry. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is she. She dropped out of light speed after she got a boost, and that's what caused the disaster. Who knows? Um, and they don't <laughs> even explain that. They just kind of they even put a nod to that in nine. It's like, yeah, that's just not feasible. Um, they could have taken out the separatists like crazy. Throw some clones and some ships, light speed into them, boom, you know. Uh, or vice the versa. Army would be over. Yeah. 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 Uh, however, uh, it's kind of. There were some moments, some really pivotal moments that I thought were good in nine. Um, you know, at the end, it was really cool seeing all those ships come in. It was amazing seeing the ghost in there, the shadow caster. Um, I swear, I, I, I could be wrong, but I swear I saw Boba Fett's ship in there. Slave One? Yeah. I well, it's swear possible. I saw I'm or at least, or at least another of that ilk, right? I mean, yeah, it could, it could be a fire spray. It just happens to be a random fire spray. It, it could be. 
Um, but it was cool seeing those things. I wish R2 was in the movie more. That is another huge gripe I have of this trilogy. R2, where are you? Literally. My favorite droid in the we get a, a knockoff BB-8. I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail for that. People love BB-8. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I'm not a fan of BB-8. Uh, and, you know, we get D.O. Who cares? Why did we get D.O.? We should have had R2 there. For um, the D.O.X. Machina? Yeah, oh, well played. Oh, uh, that was clever uh, wordplay. Uh, uh, but um, I do like some of the things that J.J. hid. I don't know if any of you noticed. I, I've, I've seen the movie more than 10 times. But when in the, the scene with Bubba Frick and he's working on, on 3PO, as you're looking around the room, if you notice in the background, he has a battle droid in the back. One of the super battle droids is sitting in the back. The, the big, dark, that. great, bulky ones. I noticed that like the second time I watched it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a Clone War battle droid. That is awesome. So I like JJ's attention to detail where he has those minute little things that are kind of in there. They're like, okay, I, I'm connecting back to the old, uh, you know, the prequels and the original trilogy there. We didn't get any of that with Ryan Johnson. I, I feel like there was nothing in there. It was as sterile as could be. And so like, I know Krebs has been super super hot on this film so i'm really <laughs> curious to see like what are some of your favorite parts um i you know if i i don't mean to unwind this a little bit but i didn't get a chance to weigh in on what i thought was a sh what, what were shortcomings right okay oh, yeah, yeah. start and, with that and move in yeah and and i don't think i'm gonna have super profound ones per se because uh i've been i've been i've been playing with this experiment of when someone says something uh negative about the film is there can I can I reinterpret it to see how that was actually a benefit to the story, right? And most of the time I can do it, but there are certain things that I think were squandered. For example, um, like uh, to Alton's point earlier, uh, it, it, I'm sure everybody who cares enough to look this up has seen the articles that talk about how um, the thing that Finn wanted to tell Ray was that he believed he was force sensitive, which is a very interesting expression in when you're inside the universe, right? Is that really what they would say? Would 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 a non-Jedi or a non-Force uh, a related or attuned individual refer to someone else as Force-sensitive? Or would they say they have a connection with the Force, right? Like the, just that verbiage. Um, but uh, allegedly, well, I shouldn't say allegedly, J.J. Abrams has confirmed that what Finn wanted to say was that he's Force-sensitive. Now, yeah. to me, that was a huge squander because or, or or rather it was almost um it was almost a bait and switch yeah so, and, and there oh, are there are so many ways that he could have expressed it too it doesn't even necessarily need to be the words i'm force sensitive ray it could be like right exactly i saw luke well, or i interacted I with Leia, or you know yeah I, i'm gonna jump in real quick um why so they're going to be releasing an extended uh, a version and then uh the director's cut but there was a scene that was cut out so uh, when they're on uh, that Star Destroyer, and there that that door or that la the the hatch is locked. Mm -hmm. There was a scene that was deleted, and he actually used the Force to pry that open. Are you talking about Episode Eight? In nine. Oh, no. In nine. In nine. Instead of BB-8 coming up and unlocking that that hatch, it was actually Finn. There was a moment of stress, and he reaches out and he pops it open with the Force. See, that um, would have been huge. Were, that would have been because you're constantly. They were hinting at it. He's like, I, he's like, I know Ray's okay. I mean, we kind of we got those hints that that he's force sensitive, which I think we needed to see that. I mean, we that's kind of the hint that we were given when he was wielding the lightsaber. Um, and I wish they would have done some of those things where we would have seen. Okay, we know that where Finn's going. He, yeah, he's well, force sensitive. Well, that's why. He, was able to wield that lightsaber. So and I love even, the, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. So even even then, like that would have been a great lead to introduce the concept of a force dyad, and then let that be a twist to yeah. be like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, Finn and you know Ray, they're doing this thing. They're clearly both exhibiting powers. They've both held Luke's lightsaber. So okay, yeah, things are starting to come together. Starting to come together. We see him starting to express these powers, and then it's the no, it's Ren. Like yeah that would have set up the idea of what is a forced dyad in a beautiful way without giving any of that and add more weight to this concept of like, 
polar opposites and yeah you guys have got to figure this one out that would have just been yeah yeah well and, and i'm glad that you told us about that scene however in the in, in the attitude of constructive criticism here uh, this goes back to what Alton was saying about like in terms of storytelling and delivery it, in the force awakens, they gave us plenty of nonverbal cues that Finn had a more than platonic interest in Ray. And they reinforced those things in episode eight um, where he is obviously more, uh, more again, more than platonically interested in Ray's welfare and well-being, even when he's with Rose, who also has a more than platonic interest in Finn, right? Yeah. Which is clearly expressed in eight. And then we get to nine. Everyone is friend zoned, and everyone is okay with being in the friend zone. <laughs> and Finn wants to tell Ray something, and it, it, it's the Chekhov's gun principle, right? If we look at the trilogy as Acts 1, 2, and 3, in Act 1, we started this notion of Finn is attracted to Ray or cares for her in a way that's more than platonic. They have a um, connection. They have a connection, right? And so, mm -hmm. and then we get to the third movie, and instead of Chekhov's gun going off, it's just a butter knife, and he just wanted to let you know he's got some spread, right? Like, there's there's no there's no rhyme or reason to why we shifted gears in that way. And in the absence, in the absence of that scene that you're speaking of, it it does not play as well. I do agree that like later on when Finn says Ray is okay, I, I can feel it. That is that is the most obvious expression of that connection to the force where Finn is concerned. And then later on when JJ confirms it outside of the film, using the power of the interwebs, then it helps more pieces fall into place. But if I were stuck in a bunker, if I were stuck in a bunker and all I had were movies on Blu-ray and I was watching them on my TV, how would I ever know that that yeah. was the intent of those moments? And why is he trying to talk to her like he's a 12 year old boy going through puberty, trying to talk about something really embarrassing? Right? Like, yeah. I'm going through changes, Ray, and I just want to tell you privately so that other people can't hear me say it. Like, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to that I, either. Um, For so the record, that was, if you sound well, that way, take no offense. Krebs is just making <laughs> a point. I'm also mocking Sid the Sloth. Uh, no, but <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, so that that was that was um, a built up character connection that I felt was ultimately squandered by shifting direction and poor exposition um something else that i thought was um a a poor element to the film is when ray accidentally destroys the transport the prisoner transport um and she's convinced chewy is on there initially her reaction is fairly believable but then they get on the ship and they fly away and she's like wow yeah, I can't believe I did that. Hey, let's let's do something else, guys. And it's just like there's this <laughs> there's this lack. There's this lack of, you know, she felt like Han was like a father to her and she was crushed when he was killed and that was clear. And 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 Chewie is is her co-pilot for all the years leading up to this point. And she accidentally kills one of her best friends. One of her best friends. She accidentally puts to an end or she believes she did. And the next in, in the next five minutes, she's like, we're going to have to do a different plan, guys. It's time for a different heist. And it's just like, why isn't why isn't anyone crushed that Chewie died later on? They get Chewie. Chewie finds out that Leia dies. And I don't know about you guys, but I had a genuine tears in the eyes, emotional yeah. reaction to Chewbacca lamenting the passing of Leia, yeah. especially in, in the context of Han is dead. Leia is dead, and to Chewie, Kyla or Ben is dead, right? Yeah. That guy's physical acting had way more emotion in it than people who had dialogue. He's yeah. a guy in a fursuit, and sure, he had a 40 year head start, but eh. yeah. uh, <laughs> well, I mean, so here's here's another thing that, that really stuck out. I went and saw it again. Um, you bring out this point, okay? So there's a scene where they are on a planet and she can tell that Chewie is alive up on the Star Destroyer that is up in the upper atmosphere. Why the crap couldn't she do that after she blew up the, the craft knowing that he wasn't on that? 
even after she calmed that, down, even after she calmed down. Um, I I could argue that because um, at that point, you know, she, she first of all, Ren, uh, Ben, Kylo, however you want to call yeah. him allegedly was emotionally manipulating her he refers to it later as i was pushing you right but yeah, we also yeah. know that secretly palpatine was in the mix between the two of them he was facilitating this channel it would not be hard for palpatine with all that immense power albeit we don't know where that comes from necessarily um is manipulating them and shielding them and he needs her to feel that loss and that anger and that sadness because okay. that's the dark that side. makes sense that makes sense now the other question i have is where the craft is this ability to be able to yank things out of the fabric of time come from? I mean, seriously. He's Again. able to rip a necklace off. Vader's helmet falls at his feet. They're able to transfer a lightsaber. Uh, you know, as cool as it was, but it was kind of like this, what? Look, it was where cool. I, it was totally cool. Um, and and I, I, Elton, I, I can tell you've got an opinion on this. If I can just throw this in really fast, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. Go for it. Um, on the one hand, I, I was talking to some other people about this just this week, and my statement to them was just because in a story or in a movie they use the force in a way you've never seen doesn't mean they're wrong. The force yeah. is this energy that binds everything together. Why couldn't it also have the ability to do what we're talking about? And even whether or not that's possible, what I will say is in terms of storytelling – they did an excellent job, and they followed a very classic formula for this. I get it, but JJ did a great job of establishing uh, that it was possible. And unlike the whole Finn, I'm force sensitive thing, he actually paved a very clear path to uh, everything from I ripped this necklace to the broken artifacts and and Vader's helmet to the lightsaber transfer, so that it made sense when it happened. Yeah. Right. So I'm gonna throw that in there. Alton, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, we start to get into nitpicky and, like, why wasn't this explained? Why isn't that explained? And I'm not trying to brush over any of those things, but they're – I love Krebs's analogy of pulling out the butter knife and rubbing margarine over everything. Um, it's one of those things where we find ourselves a lot of times in Nine – asking that fundamental question, I can't believe it's not plot point. You know, <laughs> like there are things that are oftentimes set up but never explained. And then there are other things that are dependent upon some of the things that are explained, but it doesn't, you know, like there's just weird inconsistencies there. Again, like if you're able to just go in and eat your popcorn and have a good time, like that's, that's just fine. Uh, but one of the things that, Star Wars fans particularly enjoy is this idea of a cohesive universe that's built and understandable and that follows rules. Even if writers break plot points, those rules are always addressed in some official way or another. And that the mainline things, there's always the precedent, the understanding, um, and that if a force power appears, it isn't that deus ex machina, pull it out of the backhand and suddenly something crazy happens with few exceptions but for the most part it's you know but in this it felt like it was just happening 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 every single film there was another thing that just kept happening um and the pieces were there to be able to explain a lot of stuff um, oh, no, and it I just mean, wasn't taken advantage of i mean i threw this out here because i know the answer um i just right. wanted to hear your uh, opinion because yeah i don't know if it, any of you it's that are, external stuff right you're right well yeah if you haven't seen Star Wars Rebels, you wouldn't know. Uh, um, I don't know if you remember the Lothal, the, 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 the Loth Wolf, Wolves that we saw towards uh, season three and four. Um, they have the ability to move through space and time. It is an ability of the Force. What I think Ben and Ray are tapping into is that same thing. They are at moving things through the Force through hyperspace, so, so to say, from one point to another. Um, and that's exactly what those wolves were doing. So I think that's what they tapped into. It just wasn't really explained well. Um, I, could, I could get behind that. Yeah, but it's, I mean, as far as overall, I mean, I know we're nitpicking. Overall, the story was fantastic. It was. It definitely was fantastic. There were fantastic moments that you're just like, wow, that what was said was poignant. That's what was said really fits into some something I can relate to, you know, especially the moment where Finn is like, you know, 
we're alone, guys. You know, it's at the end battle. Uh, no one came. It, it's just it's 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 a replay of crate. And then you hear Lando look up, you know, and you just see all these ships. It's doo doo doo. You're not alone. Lando's all fantastic. on your left. Yeah, you know, <laughs> because you know, and previously that was set up in the movie. You know, uh, Zori saying. That's how the Empire wins. They make you feel alone. That's something we can all relate to. Absolutely. You know, that, that's how bullies make you, uh, bullies or Satan, if you're, you're religious or whatever. You can fit that into any way. And, I, and I, I do love those point moments. You know, even when we see Luke finally and he, he lifts up the X-Wing, you know, and he's, he's got this look like, hey, man, I finally got it. This is awesome. You know, if only Master Yoda were here. Um, I there there were some really good moments. It was an entertaining story. I like what they did with Carrie Fisher as best they could. Yes, it was a little hokey pokey, but it still flowed as best you could with what they had. Absolutely, um, and, and had a know, great story. Connecting to what you're saying there, Alton was asking earlier. He was like what was what was like a gem moment? Like what moment stood out to you as a wonderful and positive thing? Because we, we just spent some time criticizing, which is a healthy thing to do. Um, so, and, and I definitely want us, I want all three of us to answer that question. Um, for me, for me, the scene, the, the, the thing in the movie that made the movie for me in, in its entirety was that moment between Ben and Han. Yes. That, that even now while I'm talking about it, I mean we're we're doing the podcast, so I'm trying to keep myself composed. But I cannot deny that I have a genuine emotional reaction to that exchange, even as I think about it now. The that scene, that scene was so well written and superbly executed by both Harrison Ford and Adam Driver. To it, it was such a short moment in the film. Maybe I don't know, may, uh, three minutes tops, and yeah. I, I think it was less than that. Yeah. Um, but that interaction, the things they said, and the things they communicated—two different statements there—were just so precious and so genuine, and it changed everything for me. Yeah. And the editing, and the directing, and everything that went into that scene—that. To me, I very, very much agree that was worth waiting for and that was worth showing up to see. Um, there are other things that I wish that had gone farther and that had more of that type of quality, but that scene alone, if you haven't seen the film, just do it. No, I mean, so, uh, you know, beckoning back to Seven, there are two really critical points between Ben and Han. You know, in episode seven, we see that critical moment where he's wavering between dark and light. And then he makes that choice. You know, you see that red light go over his face, that choice to go to the dark side. There's the end of Han. You haven't seen seven. Yeah, guys, it's, it's been a long time. Um, but then we come back <laughs> on the flip side and there's this pivotal moment. Again, he's in the light. And I, I think it's fantastic that they used they brought Harrison back for this moment because here are two pivotal moments. One where he fell to the dark side. Now one where he knows he needs to go to the light, but he's, he doesn't know how. And we have this fantastic dialogue between father and son, even though the, the father isn't really there. It's the son's memory of him and that, but it was beautiful. It was well done. And I don't know if you can be a father without feeling tears or having emotions swell up inside of you or you don't even have to be a father just having you know, nieces and nephews there's just something powerful about that moment um and, and i love it you know especially it's like i don't i don't know what to do or i know what to do but i don't know if i can do it and he's like you can't you know you know even the fact he's like you know he's like Kylo Ren died. My son's still alive. I mean, there's, there's just some really cool things. And then to wrap it all up in a beautiful bow, to have him say dad, and then Harrison just goes, I know. You know oh. just, that was wonderful. Beckons back. It gave me chills just now. Yeah. I, it's just a beautiful scene. Uh, I love how they did that. And 
again, that, the credit goes to JJ for putting that in there because I don't think we could have had a better redemption moment with Ben without Han being there. Credit, and I, you know, I don't know who is in the writing room, so credit to whoever wrote the scene. Credit yeah. to JJ for putting it in, and then credit for everybody down the line to executing it to perfection because, yeah. yeah. And, and that's really the kind of the, and I, I'm sure you've got your other scene too, Daniel, but I'm going to digress for a second. But okay. this is like, this is the fundamental theme of Star Wars to me and why I think that it speaks to many people, though it is particularly poignant to me, is that concept that we all go through struggles. We all have temptations and things that get in our way. Uh, we all have moments of weakness, of fear, where we think that we're not good enough or we don't know what the next step is. And Star Wars, regardless of anything else that's going on in this story, has always consistently shown we choose our path. You have the power to change. No matter how far you go, there's always a way back. There's always a way forward. And even if you can't change what happened, you can change yourself and what you do from here forward. And, and that's just such a beautiful thing. And it was something I was worried wasn't going to be present in this trilogy in the way that it deserves to be in, again, in my opinion. But to be able to get to that point in the film, I, I got a little emotional and then I breathed a sigh of relief and was able to just be there. Yeah. I mean, that, it's those moments that I really feel like help us to just enjoy the film and say, okay, I can get behind this. I can enjoy this. Um, you know, one of the big, I, I kind of hearkened a little bit to the poignant point, but mine was, you know, that moment with Zori, Zori on top where, you know, he's like, yeah, we had this big battle. No one came. We're, we're, we're alone in this. And she just looks at him and goes, that's how they win, to make you feel alone. Uh, that's just something I can use in my life in several places. You know, depression, anxiety, you isolate yourself. You know, you don't do it on purpose, but you start isolating yourself and you start feeling alone. And that's when people have a lot of their uh, their issues. Um, you know, and, and, and I felt those things before as well. And it, it is true. Isolation is the worst. You know, you, you kind of start shutting down more and more and more. So the fact that that came out, I'm like, wow, that's that's a really cool mental health note. That's a really cool thing that I can use to remember, you know, whatever it is that's trying to fight against me it wins when i feel alone so that's where you connect uh we, we be more social uh we go find a giant army to fly in at the last moment to rescue us uh you know the other really cool point uh in the movie that i really really enjoyed that i, I wish we got to see more of was you know, that moment when she's laying down and we hear all those Jedi's voices talking and speaking out and telling her to get up and, and rise up. But there's one pivotal moment when Anakin's speaking and he's like, bring balance to the force like I did. Uh, I heard there is a, in the extended edition that we'll be releasing, that there is a scene, a, a version of that scene where you see those force ghosts appear behind her. So she rises up she has the saber. She's charging forward towards Palpatine, and they're behind her, lending her power. I think that would be so much cooler to see. But still, I, I really like that, where they're, they're speaking to her and giving her courage to stand up and still fight. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, if, um, as you were talking about that, uh, I, I agree with you. That's a huge life lesson and i would i would dare say i would dare stamp it with that's a universal truth that your opposition whether you consider it spiritual mental physical uh whatever the case may be um it wins by convincing you you're alone but what i love that you pointed out is that when they realized they weren't alone they realized just how not alone they were there was yeah. a massive fleet coming to the rescue and even when in this has been my experience in life and watching my students and and trying to help other people through some difficult times even when you feel alone what you don't realize is there's a fleet of people who want to support you and love you and want to be there even when you don't feel like that's the case correct yeah 
No, and that, that's another really cool thing. Uh, you know, when all those ships pull up, and they're like, whoa, when did, they, when did they get a fleet? And the guy's like, I just think it's people with ships. It's just people. Um, and, and it's I people think who that, showed up. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's the point. You know, sometimes we have to ask. Sometimes we forget to ask. We feel so alone. No one's there for us. But we forget sometimes they're busy, and we just need to ask for help. So if anything, remember that. Hey, do, do we get one of those cool, you know, now you know moments, you know, like on the old cartoons? <laughs> the star arcing over the head. Uh, the more yeah. you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, um, we're pretty close out of time. I think we've talked a lot about this. There is a lot more we could probably delve into with this. We may do a part two where we bring Scott on because I do know Scott has a very opposite opinion of this film. Absolutely. Than he we does. do. Um, Scott will hit it from, uh, I'm sure being a, a cinematic person, uh, director and story writer uh, as well, but you know, let's, let's kind of real quickly, cause we got about four minutes left, uh, kind of give a letter grade and why, uh, who wants to go first? Uh, I will gladly go first because I, right. I think that you guys will balance me out a little bit. Um, looking at nine, both as a standalone film and ultimately as the end of a saga and its own trilogy all at once, I would have to give it a letter grade of uh, an A minus. It's not an A plus, it's not an A, but it's not in the B category. It's an A minus, room for improvement, but I still think it is far greater than the average internet article would tell you it is. Yeah. So for me, uh, my final letter grade for Star <laughs> excuse me, my final letter grade for Star Wars: <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker uh, is going to be a B minus. I right. do believe that it is above average, um, and I do believe that it is a, a good film, a decent film. Um, there are stronger offerings in the franchise, but I also believe that it did meet many of its basic tenets and that it was able to overcome a lot of the problems that could have presented themselves in the uh, fashion that seven and eight led things to nine. Nice. All right. Uh, I will wrap this up. Uh, I as well will give it an A minus just because I think it was a good film. I do think it was a good film. It was enjoyable. You can sit down, enjoy the film. If you try to delve into the, 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 the holes that we pointed out, you try to delve into the, the depth of the force and the living force and so on and so forth, you can kind of get lost in those things and scratch your head. But to sit down and enjoy it as a film and what it was designed to be was entertainment. I think they did a good job with that. Um, that is one quote that I, 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 I am grateful that George Lucas put out there. Um, is basically, you know, you can get as upset or excited about films out there. It doesn't matter. It's entertainment. It's there for you to enjoy, good or negative. Uh, go out and enjoy that entertainment. Take your own opinions. Make your own opinions. And enjoy the film for what it is. It's a, it is a good film, uh, whether you like it or dislike it. Uh, so with that said, we will be doing another episode. Uh, soon we'll be talking about the final four episodes of the Mandalorian and all the epic awesomeness that uh, showed up in there, including yes. the weird R2 unit that freaks my stepson out. Uh, <laughs> Me too. We will, we'll talk about some, and maybe theorize about some connections that lead back to Star Wars Rebels and the Clone Wars. Um, Cause we definitely see a lot of cool stuff uh, from Clone Wars that happens in that film or TV series, as well as maybe a part two to this. And I would love to talk uh, maybe some theories and some input about Ray's new lightsaber that we see at the end of Rise of Skywalker and maybe where the future will be uh, for the Star Wars saga, or not saga, series, excuse me. Because I do know on February 21st, we start seeing the final season of Clone Wars and it looks like it may be overlapping a little bit with uh, episode three. Uh, Revenge of the Sith. So that'll be interesting how they pull that off. So, all right, folks. Uh, well, with that said, uh, please email us. Let us know your thoughts. Comment on the show. Uh, we'd love to hear what you would like to hear this year, um, whether it is more Star Wars, whether it's gaming, because, hey, all three of us are huge gaming uh, nuts. <laughs> I, have, I have an entire walk-in closet full of games, and I, I'm sure Alton has an entire wall of games. Slander. Uh, 
and, and I'm sure Krebs has uh, much more as well. Uh, so with that said, uh, we'll catch you next time. We'll see ya. And hey, Internet, until next time, be epic, don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you always.